doing it live on a Wednesday because of technical di difficulties coming to you a day late. So that, other than like last week when we actually planned to come a, a day late for content reasons, this time not. This time just the way that we record these didn't work. And so here we are on a Wednesday. How are you, John? You doing well? I'm good. Uh, less angry at technology than I was last night. So <laughs> good, I guess. I don't, you know what? And here's the thing. Like I've been a pretty big nerd my entire life and I look like a pretty big nerd. Um, especially when I'm wearing my glasses and people have always made the mistake pretty much since I was nine or 10 that I know anything about technology whatsoever. And I don't, <laughs> it's just magic. I just essentially assume that there are little elves that live yeah. in my router or in my computer that yeah, make this right. all go. And I apparently pissed them off last night. So I don't know <laughs> so whatever I did, I placated and I guess we're good to go. So, well, very good. Uh, so what I wanted to start with today was, uh, the story over the weekend. Um, and it, it, it was one that, that warmed the heart because, um, I started to think about Cardale Jones a little bit and I saw that he graduated over the weekend and it was, it was just really cool to see. And, um, I guess, I guess I could say I'm proud of him because, uh, you know, I knew him when he was very, very young and I saw him, what he was and what he ended up being and what he ended up doing. Um, kind of saw that firsthand, you know, his, his growth. And when I saw like, you know, the pictures I saw, Tom Herman was in town and taking a picture with him and JT. And, and I see this, you know, this guy's graduating from, from, from college. And, and of course you think back to immediately, you think back to the, the tweet of, uh, you know, essentially I didn't come here to, to play school. And, um, <laughs> which is and, and you think about that. It is. And it, the thing about that tweet, which is amazing is if you were to go speak, um, in front of a, a team of college football players, that would be the slide that you would show them to illustrate that when you say something like that, it can be held against you forever. Um, right. And it, 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 once it's on the internet, it's there forever. You can't get rid of it. You can't scrub it away. And, and Cardale put that out and that thing lived forever. And I think it probably cost him a little bit um, when it came time for the draft. It probably cost him when Urban Meyer was assessing how serious he was for competing for, to be the backup quarterback to Braxton Miller. Um, so I think it, I think it really did affect his, his college, uh, his college tenure. Um, and, and then the next thing you come to is, is what he did in those three games that, that landed Ohio state a national championship. And, uh, and now the fact that it culminates with a college graduation, uh, Johnny, to me, it's a 30 for 30. Um, oh, yeah. and I, I think it has the, I think it has the potential to be one. And I think you could cover Ohio state or love or follow or be a fan of Ohio state for a hundred years. And there might not be another case study like Cardale Jones. I mean, I think it's that unique. Um, there's no reference point for this. Um, a guy who was hanging on to being on the football program by a thread and then is a third string quarterback and, and saves the day and, right. and wins that game against Wisconsin the way they had to beat Wisconsin handily, impressively, um, in order to leapfrog, uh, you know, Baylor and TCU and then Alabama, which was just no, no one predicted that that team going down to New Orleans and beating Alabama in the swamp. I mean, you just didn't see that coming and then eventually culminating with a national title. And, and not only did they do all that with him, they did it because of him. Um, as we discussed this, there were throws he made in those games that, that the other quarterbacks couldn't have made. Um, I just don't know that we'll ever see anything quite like it again. And when I say it could be a 30 for 30, I mean it. Like if somebody in Ohio has the ability to, to be a documentary sports producer, um, they can get on it and they can sell it to ESPN because it's that good, his story. I didn't I didn't pay a ticket to go see the blind side, but I would pay like double matinee price to see, you know, like the Cardale side or whatever the hell it's called. I yeah. don't know. No, it, like yeah, I didn't even get into this stuff before we got to Ohio State. Yeah. 
Yo, well, that's the thing. Like, his entire life story is really interesting. And I think it would be funny if, like, the role of the, you know, the white savior instead of Sandra Bullock in this movie, who basically, you know, the movie is made about how great they are. I guess Tom Herman could play that role where he's the, <laughs> you know. It, it's not because Kinda of like Cardale Jones' effort or ability. It's because, you Have know, Owen Wilson Herman. play Tom Herman. Tom Herman showed him how to Tom play Herman. quarterback. and Yeah. That's why he was successful, not because of his own ability. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that would be amazing. And I, I, you know, you don't have to have, here's what I would like. I would really love it if a, it were a shot for shot parody or remake of the blind side. That would be really funny to me. Or Cardell Jones, uh, stars as himself, because I think that would also be incredible. Yeah, you could also have Tyvis dress up as a, you know, dress up as a, you know, as some sort of fatherly figure, not playing the part of Tyvis Powell. I think yeah. that would be pretty good too. Um, like look, there's, there's, there's so much to it. Um, I mean, this he was he was on the football team by a thread, <laughs> by a thread. Yeah. Um, and the improbable things that happened that year. Um, and I think the legend of that year will only grow as, as time, you know, ticks. Um, the fact that Braxton Miller went down. I mean, that's the other part of this is you have, you know, that was, that was Braxton Miller's team. You know, I mean, that was no, it wasn't a second guy. I mean, it was his team, you yeah. know, I mean, and then, and then to go from that to, um, I mean, you got to remember, like there was concern that Ezekiel Elliott could fill in for Car- for Carlos Hyde. We didn't know. You didn't know how good Zeke Elliott was. You thought he was pretty good. You had no idea he would do that. The amount of questions around that team, every the answer to every question of how good will Ohio State be, it was always, well, they have Braxton Miller. And then they didn't. And then and then JT did what he did. And then you get to this, um, you get to these three games. And I'll never forget being in the press box of the Michigan game. And I sit next to Matt Barnes of Channel Four. And um, and JT Barrett went down in a heap. And I looked at him and I said, it's done. Um, and at that point, it was a long shot anyway. Like, you have to remember where they were at that point. They were so far outside of the top five. It was the first year of the the playoff and the committee. And we had no idea that they had, they paid no attention to the poll model. I mean, the poll model was if you were four, you'd stay four unless you lost. And and they didn't care about that at all. I mean, they threw – which we didn't know at that point. At that point, we thought, well, if a team is two or three, they're not going to drop them to six and move Ohio State into four no matter what happens here. So – it was it was farcical to think that Ohio State would do that anyway, but I remember looking over and saying, "It's done, it's done, it's forget it." And then it was like, then you go to the Big Ten championship game that year, and I'll never forget this moment. I'm at the JW Marriott in the lobby three hours before, three or four hours. It was one two o'clock in the afternoon, so it was before anybody had to go over to the game. And it's you know everybody's milling around. There's Buckeye fans everywhere, and uh, everyone's kind of milling around and it was the o- official Ohio state team hotel. So Archie's walking around and Gene, and you see these guys and Cardell Jones rides down, uh, walks down a staircase and into the main lobby and he's in an ill-fitted suit. It, I mean, it's just not even close to the right fit. It's so too many sizes, too small. Um, it's really high watered on him. Like he looked, you know, like somebody from the 1950s with the white socks and all that black <laughs> shoes. And, um, and he's walking around the lobby. No one knows who he is. <laughs> Nobody knows who he is. He's completely anonymous, Johnny. He's like, you'd think it was a defensive end. Oh. Uh, you think he'd be a bellhop. I mean, there was no reason to think that this kid was going to start a quarterback in the most important game of Urban Meyer's Ohio State tenure to that point. And, and he did. And I just remember thinking, like, boy, kid, if you pull this off, you're never going to have to pay for food in Columbus for the rest of your life if you pull this thing off. 
you know, yeah. you just beat Wisconsin, get him in that game. That's one thing. Nobody ever thought that somehow he's going to beat a Nick Saban defense. I mean, they were like four 13 point underdogs in that game in, in the swamp. So the, the amount of things that happened and he was kind of at the center of it. Um, and it, I just don't know. You're just never going to see it again, man. I mean, it's, and so I was just really happy because you know, you hear all sorts of whispers about how people are after they leave Ohio state and you know, what's going on with them. And we hear it now quite a bit now with current player, current former Buckeyes who are in the NFL and um, what, just to see Cardell come back and graduate and, and boy, the, the other part of this chapter that, that I, that I, you forget now looking back because you just gloss on those three games is you think that he came back and he left, he cost himself millions. Um, and he came back to fight for the starting job and he probably didn't get a fair shake at that because at the time Ed Warner's running this offense, it's clearly fit for a dual threat read option quarterback and not the type of offense that Cardell thrived in um, right. during those three games. So the whole thing, I just there's so many layers to the onion that um, that it, it, anyway, it all rushed back to me this weekend when he graduated from college. And I just was really proud. And it was uh, it was cool. It was very cool to see. Here's what I love about Cardell Jones is that he he's always had, you know, obviously a great sense of humor, um, you know, just in general, but also about himself. And honestly, of that three game stretch where he just kind of cemented his legacy and just did insane things. My favorite game to watch is still going to be the Big Ten Championship game. Like, I loved beating Alabama. Once that game was over, I I felt this sense of just, like, relief and euphoria. It was amazing. But while it was going on, like, I was dying inside. (laughs) Like, my my innards were, like, you know, coagulated. It was just getting disgusting. Like, I was was sweating bullets. It was terrible. Um, But that, that Wisconsin game was, like, you're at a casino, and you're playing with loaded dice, and nobody knows. And you just keep throwing, like, those dice, and you just keep getting, you know, seven, seven, seven. And it felt like that just continued for the next, you know, two games and then national championship. Um, And I almost feel like Cardell Jones feels the same way. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, he realizes that his life, the past several years has just been completely playing with loaded dice. And I think he appreciates the absurdity of it and how lucky he's been. I mean, granted, I don't want to take anything away from his ability. The fact that he was able to turn around like his work ethic and what he did with the program. Um, But I think he understands like how amazing of a position he was able to, you know, kind of put himself in and how fortuitous all those things had to happen (laughs) for him to be in it. Because JT Barrett doesn't hurt his leg. Like, we've never, we don't know who the hell Cardell Jones is, right? And, of course not. And I just, I just, I think the sequence of events is just completely mind boggling. Um, I love the fact that it was able to benefit that dude. And I, you know, I graduated from Ohio State twice. I got two degrees from Ohio State. And I don't think I ever was as happy as it seemed that Cardale Jones was when he was, you know, ripping on himself with a message on his hat about, you know, I came, you know, someone once said, you know, we didn't come here to play school and all that other stuff. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. And I I hope they make a movie about it. Um, I hope that'd be a great documentary. Colin Hanks as me as the uh, (laughs) (laughs) pretty good doppelganger. Yeah, I, if if they can uh, if they can work that, I don't know who's going to play DJ because you said that nobody thought that, that would happen. DJ Burns thought it was going to happen. DJ Burns was saying it over and over again. We have audio proof that that is the case. Uh, he was saying NPR, that Cardale so. Jones is going to leave Ohio lead Ohio State to the national championship. DJ, hell yeah, he did. He wouldn't stop talking about it. He he 
not only believe that now, was he was saying that in Alabama, because he's DJ or did he really believe it? I think it's a combination of both. <laughs> I think <laughs> he sometimes... lo- I just think he loved I think he loved Cardell Jones the person which which then allowed him to I unleash see. his inner you know DJ. And Starcat probably whispered something into his ear um one night and that's that's that was that and yeah. you know I just the whole sequence of events is awesome and that's why we love college sports because it's not manufactured. I mean, that stuff is, no. that's, that's just magic. And it doesn't, you can't plan it. You can't, you know, create it like the NFL tries to do. Uh, that's just magic. And I love college sports because of it. And I love the fact that Cardell Jones was able to graduate, you know, as a millionaire because of an insanely improbable <laughs> string of events. Yeah. Uh, I love it. I absolutely love it. I'll tell you, you know, just to, to kind of wrap, put a ribbon on it. The, um, Ohio State, in, you know, the, the things that happened for him fortuitous, and then he delivered on those things. But I would also say this. Ohio State does not win a national championship that year if either Braxton Miller or JT Barrett's the quarterback. That is an the only way they win take, that national like, The only way they win the national championship is because of Cardell Jones. And, and the reason I say that is because of Alabama. And yeah. if you go back and watch the film of the Alabama game and you see where Landon Collins is having to play, Mm-hmm. Landon Collins is a pretty good player. Landon Collins is because of Cardale's arm is having to play a yard and a half further back than he normally did. Because of that, and because of Cardale's arm, Ezekiel Elliott was able to bust through the South and yep. bust through Alabama because of that arm. And neither Braxton nor JT could have made Alabama pay with their arm the way that Cardale did. He made the throw, the two throws he made to Jalen Marshall on third down when they're down, I want to say like 19 to seven, they're down two scores. And they have the ball way back down. They're inside the ten after a penalty or whatever. And so they they have two. They have a third and seventeen, like a third and fourteen on the same drive. Two long throws he makes to Jalen Marshall. Neither of the other two quarterbacks can make. And um and so in a sense, um what what he got out of Ohio State, Ohio State got out of him. It's like a fair trade. I think it's like one of those things where like, yeah, like he was in the right place at the right time. But also it had to be him, if yeah. that makes sense. He was the only one that could do that. And and could beat that Alabama team down yeah. there. I mean, he was just the only quarterback on the roster who could do it. And who the hell would have ever thunk that before that season started? That it would be <laughs> Cardell Jones was the only one capable of beating Alabama. I don't think I, I don't think Cardell does that. Honestly, no, no, I, I don't either. And I and I I absolutely believe that, and I'll believe that forever. Um, yeah, I, I agree will. With that. Uh, um, yeah. All right, I want to touch on the early signing day period thing that uh, went through. This has been something that's been talked about for about ten years. I remember in Destin like maybe 2007 or eight, something like that. That's where the SEC meetings um, always take place. And they were talking about it then um, about an early signing day period because the SEC always oversigns. And so that was always something that was t- caught, uh, talked about. And Urban was against it then. He's against it now. His position has always been, that I need more time to evaluate. I will side with Urban on almost everything, but on this one, I can't. Um, because basically what what this prevents and well, you mean, Ohio State's going to get dinged on this a little bit because, but what this prevents is it prevents schools like Ohio State poaching uh, other schools' great players at the end. Um, and so I think more kids will end up at places that really want them as opposed to being roster fillers at big programs who swoop in. So the, the big boys will get hit by this a little bit. It'll force them to work harder. And I have no doubt that Urban will work hard along with Pantone, the ambassador of Cool, that they'll keep it rolling. Um, and not they won't they won't skip a beat. They'll figure a new way to be great at this. 
Um, but I do like that, that this rewards the work of the little guy or the medium guy. Um, and, and it rewards the kids most importantly. I agree with that. Um, but here's my question. How many kids do you think will take advantage of that? I think, uh, I think you'll see a lot more than you think. Um, you might not see a lot that Ohio state would recruit. Right. Um, but you won't see it. For example, you, what, 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 what'll happen? You, you remember that kid? I can't remember the kid's name, but there was a kid. I can't remember. I think it was this year who was a top 100 player. Who's going to Alabama as a gray shirt. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So that won't happen. Right. That won't happen. You won't be able to hide scholarships. You won't be able to do any of those things. So, um, I, I think it will reward the kids. If the kid, if you're a kid and Nick Saban offers you a scholarship or urban Meyer offers you a scholarship to Ohio state, then damn it, you can sign that sucker in December and you don't have to wait to see if some five-star kid comes in play a month from now. Um, and you have to sit there as a silent commit. Um, so it, it will be very, I'm very curious to see how the big guys in Ohio state and in Alabama are the two biggest, how they manage it. Um, because my guess is they'll try to convince kids not to sign. So they still have their flexibility. Yeah. Um, but if I were the kids, I'd sign it. See, that's the other thing though. I mean, because that gives you, I mean, that adds a couple of elements to the whole mind game, I guess, because yeah. what a kid can say is like, well, you're not going to give me a, you know, you're not going to give me the scholarship, but you're going to say I have an offer, but I've got this team over here. That's going to give me the scholarship. And I think what it'll do is two things. First of all, I don't think you'll see as many like Kenny Guitens on the likes of Ohio State. You know what I mean? Like they'll 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 take that early signing period with Houston or whatever, and they'll stick with it. Um, and then I think the other thing that's going to happen is teams will have to be a lot more selective about how they give out those offers. Because if you say somebody has a legit offer, and then that means that they can sign a, a scholarship or contract whenever they want you're going to basically eliminate the idea of, you know, like a soft offer or a, you know what I mean? Like where they have that yeah. whole range of what an offer is. Right. And I actually, I love that. I think if you can take away that tool, I think that makes it a lot more fair for the recruit. Um, and I also really love the idea of a Nick Saban or an Urban Meyer offering a dude early and then, you know, hoping that he actually doesn't sign <laughs> and then the guy does it anyway. Uh, and it kind of blows up in their face. I actually, I think that's kind of funny because yeah, it's a it, you know the deck is stacked against the recruit, so I, I like giving them a little bit more leverage in the situation. Um, I like anything that benefits the player. Yeah, because the, I mean we're, we're talking about coaches making eleven million; they make all the money, right? So anything that gives players advantage, I'm for. So I'm I love this for that reason. Um, I see why Urban would hate it, but he'll he's not going to miss a beat. He'll figure out a way to beat this too, but. Um, but it will yeah, have it to takes down Urban Meyer's whole recruiting system. Then it was not a very sound system to begin with. No, 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 no. He'll be fine. But I, I was, I, I did like it. Um, I, I did like it. So it was good to see that to see that go through. And that's one of the few times that I break with Urban on thought process. Um, finally, I want to get your take on. I saw this uh, circulating today. I know we had it, and and a lot of people, you know, I've seen it circulating today. Portsline, Aaron Portsline, excellent writer for the Dispatch. Um, has spent some time talking about this, but the idea of Ohio State getting a hockey-only facility um, is is interesting to me from the standpoint of Ohio State has so much money that they literally have to make up facilities that they don't really need to spend the money on. That's right. my perception of it. I mean, is it ideal to play in the Schottenstein Center? Well, no, but it's not ideal to play basketball there anyway. It's a garbage arena. It's going to be a garbage arena forever. 
you can put whatever you want around the basketball facility. You know, you can fancy up the practice facility all you want. It's a garbage arena. I mean, it's just terrible. And and they don't need this. But because they have so much money um, and they've got this, you know, this land, you know, is it going to make men's hockey better? Yeah, for sure. It's going to be really cool. My guess is it'll be similar like what Penn State built. Um, where they build a state-of-the-art smaller arena, if it if it does happen, I mean, it's going to be in that sense, it'll be cool. And to Porty's point, his his thing is is that it could land the World Juniors, and and in addition with Nationwide Arena, they could be in conjunction. You'd have multiple places to play, so that all of that is cool. Um, but the idea that Ohio State needs a, an ice hockey only facility is pretty silly. Yeah, no, Ohio State doesn't need it, but you know, like I was saying earlier to you, you know, before we started recording, like anything that kind of rubs it in the face of Miami University, I am one hundred percent an endorsement. Now, where's that vitriol come from? I'm from Middletown, which is about twenty miles outside of Miami. Miami, Oxford. So I've never been um, to Oxford. I have no point of reference for Miami University the, or Oxford. Miami University is a beautiful campus, absolutely gorgeous uh, college, uh, populated by the douchiest bros that Ohio has really? to offer. Uh, and I say that lovingly. I mean, I, I've got a lot of friends and family who've attended Miami University. <laughs> it's not a bad school, but it's just, it's, it's just, oh boy, it's so douchey. And uh, now, do you, I, is there is there a sense of entitlement there? Yeah, yeah, massive. In what way? I don't understand where the where would the entitlement come from? Is there more to Miami of Ohio that I that I don't know? No, it's the idea is with Miami of Ohio, it's essentially, I mean, it's a public school that wants to pretend that it's a private school. And so you've got a lot of like rich white kids who maybe didn't get the grades to go to Ohio State, uh, but they really need to kind of justify with a, you know, like a, an Ivy League type campus. Miami Oxford basically tries to sell themselves as the, you know, the academic equal of the likes of Ohio State or Michigan, things like that. And they're really not there. Um, and I'm also really salty because in Middletown, for whatever reason, Miami Oxford sports dominated, uh, the Middletown journals sports coverage for a really long time. Okay. Like, and I don't like it, it's, it's completely inexplicable. They were good for like two years with Ben Roethlisberger when I was a kid. Um, and then just pretty much garbage after that, but they still reported the hell out of them. Uh, okay. I I've been to Miami university many, many times. Uh, when I was swimming in high school, we would do like our huge meets over there and it's a beautiful facility, but they have, I mean, they've got, they, for whatever reason, Miami university is very, very good at hockey. Uh, and they sell out their, their, you know, their rink or whatever. And it's, you know, a great place to see a hockey game. And I would love for Ohio okay. state to be able to counter that a little bit. What I think is interesting is, I mean, you're talking about like things that Ohio state doesn't need. I would not be shocked if they decided to, uh, you know, do a little bit of an indoor wrestling arena action. You know what I mean? Like whatever they yeah. can build, like they'll, they're going to do it to try to keep up with the Penn States of the world. So uh, I just think it's funny that the more they do this, the the more obsolete the Schottenstein Center becomes. Um, well, that's the next thing, right? Because like yeah. if you're going to do all of this and you're going to do, I tweeted this today. Um, if you're going to, you know, you know, Ohio State lo- looking into a, a hockey only in, in in instead of playing at the shot and i was curious if they were going to look for a basketball only facility right. instead of playing at the shot like well you know they they have built they built the worst arena you could build i mean there's just no it's the worst i mean it's like a civic center yeah. um there's no character to it the amount of cement in the place is stunning um there's no ambiance there's no feel of basketball you are so far away from the court in the good that's my in, biggest in criticism any, it's, yeah. You're so far away. I mean, it's just, it's like a game is happening in another world. And it's so big. And the name on it is so important because of who that family is. 
I don't, I can't imagine a scenario. I guess that they could just transfer their name to another one, but like they just put all that money into that practice facility expansion. I just, it's, it's you're probably stuck with it. And I don't know that there's anything that they can do. They've tried. I just don't know if there's anything that you can do other than, you know, starting over with the structure um, to really make it someplace that's a good place to watch basketball. Yeah, no, it's it's it, what's weird is that it's kind of the functional equivalent of all those multi-purpose stadiums that they made in the 70s. You know what I mean? Like Riverfront Stadium, where it's like yeah. this supposed to be modular and they can do whatever they want inside. And that was the appeal. But yep. you also basically neuter it of any kind of personality or fun or, you know, fan enjoyment. So, yeah, well, I, yeah I you're right. They, they, and I wasn't in Columbus at that time. I have no idea. I, I always heard the, what I had heard and many. I'm sure people will correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, what I had heard was that there was a race between, you know, nationwide, the nationwide downtown venue and the shot to get up first so that, you know, who was going to be the first one up so that they could host the concerts and all that stuff, because there was really no place in Columbus for that stuff. So they wanted to do that. But then nationwide opens later. And I mean, those those two are the same. Those two things are the same in the same way that a Yugo and a Ferrari are are both an automobile. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that's right. how the, yeah, they're both arenas. Okay, fine. But they're, they're, those are not, they're not the same. No. And it's, it just, it sucks because almost everything at Ohio state is just as good as that can be. And that place is just dreadful. It's dreadful. Well, you want, so, I mean, this is, this is the problem because it was built at a time when I think people started to figure out that the fan experience is really important and that you need to, build something with personality and, you know, some sort of unique features that people will want to come back and see. I mean, like this isn't obviously a one-to-one comparison, but I really love going to a baseball game in great American ballpark at at Cincinnati for the Reds. Yeah. Uh, It's a real, like, it's not the most amazing stadium ever. They don't have all the greatest amenities, but it's a great place to watch a baseball game. And they, they made that stadium with that thought in mind um, it's got all these cool, like little things and knickknacks and all whatever. And that doesn't make it a great place. It doesn't mean that it's the best stadium, uh, in, in baseball, but it means it's fun to go to and you want to go to it and not everything. I mean, with the shoe, I mean, the shoe's the shoe, you've got this historical grandeur and, and that's got that going for it. But if you're building something new, you're not going to have that. And no, that's the problem. Like you've got to be intentional about wanting to create something that people are wanting to go to. Um, and the saddest part about it is you got a place right across the street that's beloved and is great. Right. That has that has that history. It has I mean, that. I mean, you that's saw it for the volleyball national championship game. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. saw the atmosphere. Yeah. I mean, imagine nuts. Yeah, imagine I to the for the life of me, I I you'd have to go back and we maybe maybe we'll work on that for a time this summer. I'd I'd be very curious um, to go inside the mind of Andy Geiger and and see what the thought process was of renovating St. John Arena. Mm. Versus building the Schottenstein Center, like what was that conversation like, and who, would, <laughs> who were the people that were deciding what to do? Yeah, no, I, I, th- <laughs> I mean, we were talking about how much money Ohio State has. I mean, it's like, well, we just <laughs> we just fundraised a hundred million dollars. We better do something cool with it, and then yeah, maybe but like you think about you think about the the great barns in in college basketball. They're all old barns. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Cameron, it's Fog Allen. I mean, those are the Poly Pavilion. I mean, Poly Pavilion is probably the most similar in that they took an old venue and they made it newer, um, but it's still the same thing. I mean, you, they, they could have easily 
modernize. It would have cost a lot of money, but it cost a lot of money to build the shot in state center too. So, I mean, mm-hmm. they easily could have modernized St. John arena and they would have been able to keep the ambiance and, and the true home court, um, which, you know, frankly has never been there at the shot. No, no, God, no, no, never been there. I'll work on that. I'm going to work on that this summer. I want to, I'd be great to try to, I'll have to ask around and see who would be the guy to get on who would have a pretty good handle on why that was built and what the thought process was in building it. I think that'd be awesome because I just, I mean, you go onto campus and what's interesting is you see so much being built right now at Ohio state. And I feel like the intentionality is there now, but it almost feels like at that time period with Geiger and some of the other stuff, they were just building to build. Like they wanted to make upgrades and improvements in the college and just were basically operating off a template, right. With no real, thought process to it like we got to check off all of these buildings that we need to have and it's interesting to see the the difference between now and and back then because you know i got on campus my first year as a student was 2003 um and it was like it's night and day some parts of campus absolutely crazy so that would be great i think that'd be really interesting all right i'll work on that all right anything else you need want to touch on, on on this particular episode my friend well, we do have some Ask Us Anythings if you want to get to that. Oh, of course. Yeah, let's let's knock those out. Yeah. All right. So if you guys want to ask us anything, you can send us an email to uh, dubcast at 11warriors.com. Uh, or you can uh, send us a Twitter uh, tweet uh, at 11dubcast. So go ahead and do that. Uh, this first one is uh, from Mark here, and he's got some questions. Um, all right. So... <laughs> Why do we say student athletes don't get paid when they do, in fact, receive significant compensation for playing athletics? Uh, I believe we. I'm sure you are familiar with this argument, Bo, that they are uh, <laughs> they're getting the stipend, the tuition, the books, the room, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So he's very he's yeah. very upset that we said that we're not getting paid when, in fact, yeah, that's this, that's the other side of it. I, I mean, I'm sorry. What's the, what's the emailer's name? Uh, this is Mark. Mark. Uh, yeah. Mark, if if you can't see that there's enough money to pay eleven million dollars for the head coach, and probably at Alabama, upwards of twenty million dollars for football support staff, and if you're not able to see that there is also enough money to pay some of the people who actually play the game, I I just can't have the conversation. I mean, right. like, I'm sorry, <laughs> like. Yeah, they have it pretty good, but in in relationship to the oodles, boatloads of money that is being made, it's nothing. Right. And for all of the Zeke Elliott's and Joey Bosa's, there are a bunch of kids who started Ohio State, who were coasted through their classes, were not prepared for the real life, and were then told to figure it out. And they those kids should be compensated for the work that they did because everybody else is making money off of their backs. Yeah. Here's, here's what I would say to, to Mark. My response would be that, um, look, the, the, the scales of economy here are completely different. Right. And I don't understand, like, it, it's one thing if you're talking about how college revenue, how college football revenue worked in like the 1980s, 1970s or whatever. I get it. Right. Like it's, it's, it, it makes more sense, but the scale has completely tilted. Like it, it has gone up exponentially in terms of how much money is involved. And it hasn't for the student athlete. They are still beholden to rules that were in place three, four decades ago where the university and the, the coaches are not playing by that same rule book. 
Like they they are working on a different economy, like scale of economy than the than the athletes are, and I don't think that's fair. Um, you've got a, a coach making eleven million dollars now. You shouldn't have the players beholden to the same standard that they were beholden to in the nineteen eighties. You know when the coach was making like one hundred and fifty. Yeah, exactly. Right. But, and yeah. that's and that's my point. Like it has nothing to do necessarily about you know whether they're compensated. Of course they're compensated, right? They get the stipend, they get the scholarship. We know that. But that was the case in the 1980s, right? Like, yeah, it's changed. Okay, the the amount of money involved, the way it operates, has completely shifted. And I don't think people can complain about their players doing things like signing a few memorabilia on the side, or like you know maybe trying to like get rid of some of their you know cleats or whatever when you expect coaches to go out and get whatever money that they want. Um, It just, it doesn't make sense to me. And, you know, I understand like some people are upset about that, but it's not, I don't know. You wouldn't walk into a fortune 500 company as a CEO and be like, yeah, I'll I'll take what they got in the eighties. It's fine. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's 2017. You deserve the kind of, we have to evolve. We'll get in 2017. Yeah. So, and then he's got a second question here. He says, if Urban Meyer, Jim Trestle, and LeBron James all ran for governor of Ohio, who wins? Well, Trestle would be third for sure. Yeah. Um, Urban Meyer would be, would definitely win. You think? Ohio State football is the one thing that wherever you are, the majority of you agree upon that you, that you love it. <laughs> that, you yeah. know, there are probably people in Cincinnati who don't give a damn about LeBron James. Um, so I would say if that was a ticket that it would go, that, that urban would win in a relative landslide with, with LeBron and Trestle second and third you, sir, you're the political guy. I think, I think urban Meyer and Jim Trestle would split their votes and I think LeBron would come in and and just dominate. I I don't think, think, interesting. you really think that there's a split vote between Trestle and Meyer? Oh, hell yeah. Just in terms of like the kind of people who vote for like LeBron James is young, exciting, interesting. I can't. I'm just trying to imagine Urban Meyer and Jim Tressel out on the like the campaign trail, like Urban robots. They both would be great at it. That's. I I think LeBron James would. I think he'd run away with it. I think he'd be the. Uh, dude. Does Southern Ohio care about LeBron James? Southern Ohio may not care about LeBron James, but Cincinnati would definitely love to vote for a young, dynamic, exciting black athlete. I think that would absolutely. Okay. They'd turn out for him. Well, you 100%. know the demo's better than me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, okay. Fair enough. I I don't. The only thing I would take umbrage with is I don't think that there would be. And maybe it's just the. Maybe I'm off on this, but my perception would be that the that Trestle wouldn't take much from Urban Meyer's vote. Yeah. I mean, it. You know, I don't know if the but Lawrence it, Welk and, uh, you know, <laughs> Affliction T-shirt uh, owners really cross too much. I guess in you know elections, so it's possible. <laughs> uh, possible that you're right on that one. I I understand your point. So. We'll see. My mom still watches reruns of Lawrence Welk, and I know she's listening to this, and she's going to deny that she does, but I know she does. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, this is from James. Uh, he says, there are two arenas that are similar in size and purpose to VCA, but have much better reputations nationwide in the Kohl Center. Uh, what? So we kind of touched on this a little bit better. What specifically makes them better than... I've never been to the Kohl Center, so I can't, I can't give any point of reference on that. Um, I just think if you walk into Nationwide and you walk into the shot yeah. and you can't tell the difference, then you must be blind. I mean, this is not even close. I mean, you walk into Nationwide Arena, you, you're walking into, I mean, it's the grandeur of the place. 
I mean, it's just beautiful. The huge, you know, sweeping ceilings. Uh, and then the most important thing is the way that it's built. It's built for ice hockey. Yep. So, or it's not bad for basketball, but it's built for ice hockey. I mean, you're not that far from the action. The shot is built out. It fans out. Like I've been in luxury boxes at the shot and you, you feel like you're 200 yards from the, from the court, right? It's so far back. Um, whereas, uh, I've been in luxury boxes at, at nationwide and you feel like you're standing on top of the ice. Um, so just the, the, the schematics of the place, the, the, the nuts and bolts of it, the way it's built, uh, is not close. The best big basketball arena that you can go to is at Conseco in Indy. That's the best one where they built it for basketball and you're on top of the court. That's the best one there is, um, that I've been to that's basketball specific. That's big. And that's, and that's what I mean by like modular type stuff. Like if you're trying yeah. to fit in every single sport, you're not going to do any one well. Like that's the problem. Um, I mean, Nationwide works because it's for hockey and it's built especially for yep. I. And when you go to see a hockey game there, it's great. Like they're like, there's really not a bad seat unless you're mm-hmm. way, way up top and you're about to fall over and barf. But um, even that's fine. Yeah. I, the press, the I love the great. press box. The press box at Nationwide is the highest seat in the place. It's in the corner, um, but I love it. I love watching a game there. I see all the ice. It's great. Yeah, it's the the sight lines are excellent. It's there's really not a bad seat in the house. So no, I think that's no. that's probably the primary reason. Uh, last one here. This is from Alvin. Uh, <laughs> Alvin always comes through with the good questions here. Who is the most famous person on your cell phone? If you that you can admit to having on your cell phone, I guess. um sir i mean i don't know trying to think urban and Kasich. i don't know if Kasich still has the same number this this was before Kasich ran uh for president so i mean i haven't changed it and i haven't called him but i i I did have it just hang out um yeah that'd probably be i don't know those are probably the most famous archie griffin's pretty famous he's i would have his yeah yeah legit yeah, those would be the most famous, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I've got so <laughs> I've got Maurice uh Claret's number on my phone. Um There you go. But I do not I I mean that's not like we're bros. I mean we're not texting back and forth or anything like that. I yeah. really I I, I don't well, I'm not texting Kasich or Urban, <laughs> to be fair. I don't wanna I don't wanna I'm not putting it out there that I'm conversing with these people, but I do yeah, have their cell fair. phones from a couple of years ago, and if they haven't changed their numbers, I still have them. Um, yeah, I guess it would just be mostly, I, 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 you know, what's funny. So, uh, we had Corey Lindsley on, uh, back in the day a couple times and Corey is like the nicest human being in the history of the universe. He is. That's and correct. if they're it, and so like, it's funny because when, you know, you ask people to come on or whatever and you get their numbers, I feel an obligation not to bug them. Right. Like I'm like, okay, sure. I'm going to, we're going to do it, but I'm going to keep this private. I'm not going to share their number with people. I'm not going to do any of that stuff. Cause I'm, you know. I'm not a professional, but I'm trying to pretend like I'm a professional. But like Corey Lindsley seemed like a dude that I could like legitimately start texting. Like, hey man, what's going on? Like he just seemed like a really cool, approachable dude. Um, you know, and so occasionally he would like text me stuff, but we haven't talked too much. But he just seems like a really legit guy. So yeah, I would say the famous people that I have on my phone, or at least you know, well-known athletes. Uh, Corey Lindsley is probably the guy that I would probably have the most communication with if I weren't a hermit and <laughs> tried to avoid human contact. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah probably mostly in him, I would say. There you go. 
And that's uh, Ask Us Anything. There's all the questions this week. So if you guys have any more, please send them in. Uh, we're getting the off season, so the more existential your questions are, the better. So I'm down. Yeah. Oh, I love them. Yeah. Any whatever you whatever you any, anything you want to throw at. That's it's literally Ask Us Anything. Exactly. It literally is. Yeah. All right, buddy. Good stuff out of you as always. We'll visit next week. Yeah. Absolutely. Sounds good.